Hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have on the line Mr. Chris Sheridan. How are you, Chris? Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> Just, wow. Are, are you really? You though? know, I, I am. And okay. it's uh, it's a relaxing weekend after several weeks of intense activity. So, yes, I feel All like right. I'm coasting. This is I'm coasting neutral now. and the clutch is in and I'm just letting the road take me <laughs> the rest of the way. Yeah. Inertia, inertia is carrying you forward. It is. All yeah. right. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, today on our show. We are going to look at uh, Manley Hall's pamphlet called Kabbalistic Keys to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, And if you're looking for that, it's spelled C-A-B-A-L-I-S-T-I-C. So Kabbalistic Keys to the Lord's Prayer. You see a lot of different spellings of Kabbalah. One with a C, one with a K, one with a Q. Uh, Real quickly, generally speaking, Kabbalah with a C... uh, means sort of a Rosicrucian-influenced kind of Christian-type Kabbalah. A Kabbalah with a Q usually designates a more sort of magical or hermetic sort of a Kabbalah. They're all based in in Judaism and Jewish mysticism, but then then they also have their own flavors that add their own things to them. And then Kabbalah with a K is more traditional uh, Kabbalah that's uh, more sort of a, a traditional Jewish Kabbalah. Course, it's like Hanukkah. There's so many different spellings. <laughs> it's, it's similar. It's, it's yeah. similar. The transliterations. But actually with these ones, with these spellings, they're very specific and they're made. In- I like how you broke that down. Thanks. Well, that's, I didn't that's, know that actually. Yeah, that's the way they do it. Um, not everything. Things I learn on the Cosmic Eye show. Isn't it amazing? You that's know? why I tune in. That's why you tune in each week, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it is Sunday, the day of the sun, and it's a hot one out there. And... Um, you know, we're going to break this down. This is an interesting subject, and I found this pamphlet. It just kind of came to me on a whim, but this pamphlet is uh, is a really powerful one, and I, I would highly suggest that you that you check it out. Uh, you you found that you can also find a lot of this text on online for free, right at the uh, manlyhall.info site. It's Manly P Hall. Manly P Hall. Thank you. A great resource if you're interested in Manly Hall. Um, a person out of Colorado has put this together over years and years. It's a labor of love. But this would have been in the winter 1950 um, periodical horizon that the PRS put out for decades. And um, the full text is available um, on manlyphall.info. So there, there you go. go. Fantastic. Uh, so, so the, the bulk, the bulk of the, the, the book is in there. Um, like, so there's the last chapter, right? We couldn't figure out where that one came from, but Chris actually sleuthed down where this, uh, this pamphlet came from, uh, with his vast knowledge of Mr. Manley Hall. So thanks for doing that, Chris. Um, all right. So we are going to take a look at this. There's a lot of material to cover. We're definitely not able to cover this whole pamphlet by any means but what we're going to do is kind of just set out the structure and kind of an understanding of the lord's prayer uh first why don't you read the lord's prayer so people that might not be familiar with exactly what we're talking about know it i think most people are familiar with this if you have any kind of knowledge of christianity but if you don't 
Here it yeah, is. Maybe you don't. You've probably heard it in a movie or yeah, or something TV right? show. It's it's uh, it's pretty it's much the big. Uh, it's the big one. It's the big one. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you want to run through that? Yeah, and I'll read from Matthew six from the uh, the King James. It's also in Luke. You said right, Luke eleven. Eleven. There's two. A, a Luke kind of eleven a, two. Eleven yep. two. There's kind of a truncated version. Yeah. There, um, but this is the familiar one. <clears throat> Matthew six nine. Um, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Very nice. Okay. Thank you, Reverend Chris. So in this, um, there's an interesting structure that you, you, it's kind of, kind of hard to see it in the, in the biblical version, but when Manley Hall breaks it down and you kind of look at it and you just look at the first lines of these different um, sections, makes it a little easier. So I'm going to run through just a brief overview, and then we're going to just drill right down into the prayer itself and we'll talk more about what these different things mean so essentially these each of these lines in the prayer uh correlate to a sephirot or sephira excuse me a sephirot is the is the plural uh, on the tree of life and then a a sort of uh, a part of the universe and this is the ptolemaic universe basically so this is the sort of earth centered idea of the 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 universe and how it exists in in ancient wisdom where the earth is the center of the universe not the sun and then things kind of you know revolve around the earth and it's a, it's an interesting way to look at things spiritually speaking and probably a little more appropriate to a spiritual understanding than the actual structure of how we look at the universe today so uh, so I'll break this down really quickly, and then we'll jump right into the prayer. So essentially, the, the sephirot are, are ten in number, and that's the tree of life. And these are basically emanations or different different sort of qualities of God coming into manifestation, more or less. And so there's ten of them, and they they go as the, they go through the following pattern. So the first is Ketera, the crown, and that is analogous to the primum mobile, which is the first whirlings of the universe, and that is our Father. The second one is Chokmah, which is wisdom, and that is analogous to the zodiac or which art in heaven. The third portion of it is Bina, that's uh, wisdom, and that's analogous to Saturn, and that is hallowed be thy name. The fourth is Chesed, that's mercy, uh, thy kingdom come, or Jupiter. Five is uh, Geburah, which is severity, and that is Mars, and that is on excuse me that is thy will be done six is the sun uh tiferet uh, also known as beauty and that is give us this day our daily excuse me that is on earth as it is in heaven number seven is is uh, netzach and that's victory that's venus and that is give us this day our daily bread eight is uh hod glory and that is aligned with mercury forgive us our debts Nine is Yesod, foundation, and that is the moon. 
and that is lead us not in temptation. And then finally, 10 is Malkut, or otherwise known as the, uh, the kingdom. And that is the elements or the actual manifestation of earth for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. All right, so let's jump right into this thing. So our father, let's find that section. Well, the first thing that comes with our, our father, it there's so much just in those two words that yeah, some right? people even think, well, that's just all you really need to say is our father. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, because it sets up the relationship between you know, the brotherhood of human beings and the fatherhood of the God that we all share. It's whose father? Our father. Good point. Uh, yeah. A, it's a very powerful statement in two words. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, it denotes us the, the unity, doesn't it, between us mm -hmm. all and human experience and that, that's, that spiritual unified element behind all of this stuff. Uh, all right. So again, looking at uh, our father, where this starts out, uh, we see that we see that unity to begin with, uh, and that's really where the whole thing begins. And you know, just looking at this, just just to kind of say something about the structure of this, just looking at the idea that there is a structure to this prayer, I think is really powerful uh, because it it kind of allows you to to break it down and think about the meaning in terms of of creation. Because what it's really trying to explain is this this theory of emanation where you're seeing this gradual uh, unity turn into the multiplicity and turn into materiality in a sense, you know, there's it, behind this, even, you know, there's, there's something called the Ein Sof, which is, which is basically um, this inf sort of infinite uh, eternal sort of thing. And then, you know, in, and, and then at, at, at the unity part of it, the Our Father part of it, that is kind of where creation begins. You know, it, it's it's the a sort of uh, Manly Hall likens in it to an opening eye, which I found was very interesting. It's like, you know, a coming to consciousness. It's a sort of a unity or a knowledge of itself in, in infinity, you know, in the eternal world in essence. And then it, you know, then there's a, then that's the beginning of a possibility of manifestation, which I think is interesting. Um, but just to know that these these ten parts of this thing are are there, you know, so that if you do use this Lord's prayer, say this Lord's prayer, that it gives it extra extra meaning and depth. And I think that's really interesting. And you know, much if not most of the Bible is like this, and that's why it's such an endless uh, source of mystical information because it was designed like this but you know people would have you believe that you're supposed to take everything in the bible literally you know and, and religion has said that but then also at the same time you know a lot of the cr critics of the bible have, have done the same thing materialists and scientists have done the same thing and so they look at the bible literally and then they miss the wisdom and the depth and the mystical teachings that are there and what this is one of those things where you know people wrotely sort of say this prayer you know, it's part of the Catholic tradition, the Orthodox tradition. It's part of, you know, evangelical and Baptist traditions. It's in all, you know, forms of Christianity nearly. And people just kind of say it and they don't really think about the structure of it. But it's very purposefully put together like it is and laid out. And you can see it, you know, and you read it from Matthew. It's set apart, you know, in the in the text itself as a as a, almost like it looks like a little poem or something. And they didn't have to put it that way, but they did. And so when you find things like that in the Bible, you really have to take a second look at them 
things that are set apart, things that seem a little different in a section, something that's laid out in a strange way. They did that on purpose, you know, and it, it translates over to the English version of the Bible because they're trying to take the Greek and turn it into, you know, in the case of the New Testament, take the Greek and turn it into English. That's pretty properly rendered, but they tried to keep the structure in the way that it looks and, you know, in certain manuscripts and so on. And so that's where you get these, these little, these little parts. So, um, looking at page 15, talk a little bit more since you started this on, on our father, which art in heaven, and then we'll, we'll move on to the next section. Um, after you do that. Well, like I mentioned, it's the, um, common father of which all creation, including man and including the elements and the animals and everything else shares this common source, this origin of all that is in Taoism, it would be the Tao, the undifferentiated Tao that then becomes the two with yin and yang, then become the three, then become the 10,000 things. Um, but this is this common source and common heritage that is shared, you know, not only among all the people, but the creatures and even the planets themselves. So as we go down through this, this series of levels, um, each one uh, still contains DNA, if you would like to use a, an analogy um, of this, our father. Mm -hmm. And this heaven is, you could consider it space, like space, like, you know, where the galaxies and quasars and black holes are. Um, and it's the ground from which all things can evolve or become involved. And it's the furthermost, that is, you know, outer reaches of outer space. Mm -hmm. And it's also the innermost within our own souls. Yeah. And the innermost is just as deep as the outermost. But that is the heaven um, that I believe this is you know, referring to. That's a good point. And I think also what's an interesting thing, and this is a, kind of one of the clues to it, too, is that, you know, the, the, it's likened to the in this, in that scheme that I laid out at the beginning there, uh, the primum mobile, mobile, which is, is Latin for prime mover. Another, uh, sort of, um, idea is first whirlings, the first motion, something like this. Um, so it's really, it's, it's just this sort of place where, it's like the very faintest, you know, and again, all this is symbolic, you know, it's not concrete, but it's this very faint idea of just, you know, sort of movement, which is initiating creation. It's prior to creation, because you'll notice when we get to the section, how would be thy name that relates to Saturn. That's when creation really begins as we would think of creation per se, that's something that we might recognize as an actual sort of creator type energy. Uh, but this is, this is, this is before that, you know, this is the first sort of, this is like kind of like the idea of the God beyond God in a way. If, if you've ever heard that idea, you know, you've got to get beyond your conceptions of God to really understand God. This is sort of that, you know, is that a Gnostic, uh, 
That's that's in, in that is in no, Gnosticism might use it. I think they the would. God. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And so there's Gnostic overtones to this whole idea. Uh, to be sure, the way that this scheme is laid out, um, certainly, you know, in some Gnostic sects, the idea that Saturn would be analogous to the Creator God in in, in Judaism. Um, and is creating something where it's trapping, you know, our spirit in, in matter. That's one idea in a certain sect of Gnosticism. Not all Gnostic sects believe that. You know, there was a range of ideas regarding that. But certainly there was the idea that there's sort of creator that we can conceptualize. And then there's something beyond that. And that's what this is hinting at. There's something beyond that. Uh, so it's and in this, he's talking about the, uh, the Zodiac, uh, relating to the heavens. Yeah, exactly. That would be the second portion. That's the witch the art second. in heaven. Yeah. The witch art in heaven part of this. And um, those, you know, even the ancients, you know, this ring of 12 animals, um, those are archetypal patterns. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, you know, they're still ab above creation in a sense. Those are yeah. manifest. Those are archetypes and patterns that influence and help uh, you know determine like the recipe of what's going to be created exactly um, but there's still not quite a thing but it's the ground from which these things come well and also they're it's a they're archetypal they're fixed um you know the stars the zodiac is considered fixed stars in the ptolemaic scheme so the planets are revolving and moving through through those fixed stars in that in that scheme of looking at things so you know the zodiac was seen as something that was sort of stationary and permanent whereas the planets were seen as something that were moving and you know they were in you know they they, they knew that the planets were, were were moving around i mean you could see that obviously but they you know they they saw this thing as 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 those they're more transitory in a sense, whereas the zodiac and the fixed stars were something sort of like archetypal and like in in place, you know, and they had to be in place before those planets could take take shape and so on, is the idea here. Uh, so yeah, so moving on to that, then let's talk a little bit about that um, that section. So part sort of the second portion of this, our father is the first part, which is as I said is related to primum mobile or keter, which is the crown on the tree of life. The second portion is, uh, is the Zodiac, like Chris said, the fixed stars. And that's, that relates to which art in heaven. Um, and Manley Hall points out heaven is the highest abstraction of place or space itself. Right. And he says the creator is everywhere present as the one source of the beautiful and the good heaven is the furthest most and innermost. I think you said that actually that which transcends all all place in terms of of quality and all space in terms of quantity. So that's an interesting way of looking at that. So that's referring to that portion of it which art in heaven, uh, and that as I said refers to the zodiac. So one of the other ideas that we'll quickly get into, and then we'll we'll move on to this next section, uh, is that so. This is a Gnostic idea. This is also an ancient, uh, an ancient idea that comes from uh, uh, from Hermetic tradition, 
Uh, the Divine Peminder of Hermes talks about this, and Ishtar's descent speaks of this. And then there's an idea of the Gnostic, uh, the Gnostic uh, descent of the soul through the planets. So that as basically as a soul or, you know, we as humans are coming into manifestation, we move through each of these phases. We go from that, that our father place, that first whirlings, that primum, primum uh, mobile portion of things, you know, uh, and, and then, you know, we're coming out of that. That's the sort of womb of creation, as it were, the sort of beginning of and then we move down through these stages, through the Zodiac, through Saturn, through Jupiter, Mars, Sun, Venus, Mercury, Moon, and then finally into uh, manifestation as a human being. So the, the way to go back then, the way to regeneration back to our, our, our home, our father, the first whirlings, the, you know, the beginning, is back up the ladder, essentially. So we came down through a certain phase and then we've got to go back up. And so you go from the moon, Mercury to Mercury to Venus, to the sun, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, through the Zodiac and then boom back there. Uh, and so, you know, those are, those are, those are an interesting set of ideas. They, they also uh, relate to the chakras, although in a opposite, in an opposite way. So in the chakras, you're moving up from Saturn up to the moon. So it's kind of confusing, but it's because of the way that, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're formulated. Our material body is formulated. So we have to go kind of in the opposite direction to go back home as it were, if that makes sense. It's an ancient concept, probably one of the oldest religious, um, traditions, astrotheology, and that's our connection to the stars and to come into earth. We and each time we pass through one of these layers or spheres or orbits uh, through which these planets uh, travel, we pile on another degree of limitation uh, because we are moving from unlimited to limited manifestation. Um, and each one has a different quality. And that's what we're talking about um, through here. It's the uh, you know, coat of many colors. Uh, and then as we go back up again that's jacob's ladder and <laughs> going back up to the stars and the seven rungs with the seven planets um so it's a uh and after death that would be a way of you know the soul returning uh but going through the orbits of the planets it's um it's where a lot of traditions you know, have a common origin and in a way it just kind of makes sense you know for us to become you know, a human being, well, okay, we're, we're limited in so many ways. You know, we have to be on this planet with gravity and we have to eat and we have to sleep. And, you know, we have all these things that, you know, say an undifferentiated, unconnected uh, universal spirit wouldn't be bound by those things. So it's a very necessary process to get to where we are. Um, so it's not really a bad thing, all these degrees of limitation. It allows us uh, to be in this elemental world in a physical body. Good point. Good point. Um, I suppose if the, though, you know, you can, you know, there's, there's again, though, there's that, there's that Gnostic view as well, though, that actually, you know, we're trapped in this physical body. So it, you know, it does depend on, on, I guess, how you, how you look at it in a sense, but even there though, you know, they, they do recognize that there's, there's something to be learned and there is a home that you're going back to and so on. So, uh, interesting point though. 
All right. So the second or the third section of this is, is, is hallowed be thy name. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the one that corresponds to Saturn. Um, and so this is where, this is where you kind of come into connection with the idea of, of, of the creator that we would think of as the creator uh, of the, of the universe, as it were, you know, prior to this, it's a little more, it's a little more sketchy and a little more hazy. Now we're, we're starting to begin to understand this idea that there's something coming to creation. So then what Manley Hall says about this, God is to be experienced as paternity rather than as a despotism. So he's, he's pointing to the fact that there's a, there's a loving God, there's a loving creator God, and he's to be loved rather than feared, to be known rather than adored, and to be experienced rather than to be accepted. The transmutation of authority or Saturn into the realization of of inanimate participation is the secret substance of this section. The transmutation of authority, Saturn, into the realization of inanimate participation is the secret substance of this section. It's very interesting. And hallowed, um, just to take a look at the word itself, um, has a common origin with holy, uh, with an H, and whole, <laughs> with a W, wholesome, which is also where we get healed. So there's this wholeness, you know, be thy name, that there's that yeah. is complete in itself. It's complete. That's, That's a great hallowed. How do you think? Well, it's venerated and oh, the hallowed halls of justice. Uh, sure. But it, it really has to do with um, wholeness and holy, that connection between being complete and being holy. Oh, yeah. Good example. Good example. All right. So the next section, then we're moving down into thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. So our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And this is the fourth portion of this 10 section. Uh, prayer. It corresponds to Jupiter and it corresponds to Chesed, which is mercy or loving kindness uh, in the in the Kabbalistic system. Uh, so in this one, this is an interesting thing. So Manly Hall says, Thy kingdom cub substantiates the resolution to release the infinite love of God through the highest of human capacities, the capacity for wisdom. Capacity for wisdom. So you're really kind of asking that this wisdom is bestowed within yourself and that it's released within you and that that capacity for wisdom is utilized. And he says, in the descent from the superior state, the power of Saturn, truth is entrusted to the keeping of Jupiter, the deity personifying wisdom. And it's interesting because he makes, he makes also a, a distinction between wisdom and, um, and learning or knowledge. Uh, and, you know, in, in his in his idea, the supreme wisdom is that which uh, recognizes and accepts the divine will. And so it's not a very it's not an ego oriented wisdom. It's something that's more of a receptive wisdom to something higher than itself. And that's what it's. It's, it's preexisting, you know, yeah. this, like the Akashic Records or something that it's um, it's wisdom itself. <laughs> Sophia writ large, um, you know, that we are just accessing when we learn and we discover through science and mm -hmm. meditation and things, but the, the wisdom of the ages uh, is already there. That's a good point. Yeah. As opposed to the idea that we're some sort of 
blank slate or that we're, you know, learning all this stuff as we go. It's almost more of a process of remembering or rediscovering what was, what's already there, a more platonic idea. Um, that that the, these things are already there. They're archetypally already available and we just have to tap into them. And I think the material point of view would have us believe that, you know, the brain is creating all these different things. And really this idea would be like, well, the brain is, is a, is a, and the body is a home for the spiritual and the soul substances that make their place within this body, uh, which is, a, you know, it's, it's, it's a completely different point of view than, oh, my body is creating all of these sensations and my brain is making up all of these, these experiences. And, you know, and that's, that's, that's the epiphenomenon idea of, of you know, you know, mind created by brain basically. And they, the, you know, the ancients had the opposite idea that the body was a vehicle for this divine mind and this wisdom. All right. So moving on, we come to the fifth part. So we're at our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done. And that's Mars It's tributed to Mars. This is the fifth section. And that's Geburah in, uh, in the Kabbalistic system, otherwise known as severity. Severity. So this is the sort of idea, what you just talked about, it's more of kind of getting out of the way uh, of something that's already preexisted and allowing it to unfold, thy will be done, you know, and you're saying that there is a divine will, and you're, 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 you're sort of decreeing that that unfolds within yourself. And why that relates to Mars is Mars is more of that, that kind of ego-oriented, pushing forward, conquering sort of egotistical kind of way of dealing with things. Not that it's bad, it's necessary as, you know, in balance. But what this is saying is, you know, you want God's will to be done instead of, you know, the ego. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a statement of, uh, of higher, higher truth and spirituality. Uh, do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, and the relation between divine will and self-will. Oh, there you go. Good point. And, you know, that can be in conflict and that can be in harmony, depending on how we orient ourselves. So there's there's wisdom gained at each one of these nodes or, um, you know, the elements of the tree of life or the orbits of these planets, the harmony of the spheres, you know, the, and, and there, you know, becomes a personal responsibility. Um, there is, as we become more and more manifest, moving down through this, we have more and more, you know, consciousness power. And with that comes responsibility and decision and the ability to discern uh, between, you know, what is ego will and um, what is divine will mm -hmm. and where we orient ourselves. That's a great point. I like the way he wraps up that, that section. He says, the great power of the human will is spiritually consummated in the will to renounce the will, that is the courage to sacrifice mortal purpose so that we may share in the divine purpose. Ah, and that's Mars, sacrifice the right. war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. that's deep. That's deep. Yeah. So yeah. you can see where these are really, you know, these, these, are, these ideas are not something that were, you know, laid over this prayer. They're built into it, and these ideas are are in you know they're inherent to this to the structure of this thing 
And I think people forget that, that, you know, because you think, oh, the, the church is the only sort of arbiter of truth in terms of what we understand about the Bible. And, you know, that might be the accepted mainstream way of looking at things, but certainly ancient Christianity was not of that opinion. There were wildly different ideas about who Jesus was and what these scriptures meant and what was to be included and what wasn't to be included and so on. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of mysterious things hidden in these texts by different groups and individuals and mystics and teachers and so on that, you know, you, it's difficult to sort of glean them out unless you have some keys and Kabbalah is one key to really understanding both new Testament and the old Testament because it influenced both, both texts or both groups of texts, excuse me, both groups of texts. And so, you know, we can start to understand this, this structure of the tree of life and look at how it relates to the planets and understand a little bit about, about how this emanationism occurred and how, you know, what our goal is to kind of reach back into the divine and move back towards that and so on. It opens up like a sort of key going into a lock, these scriptures. And that's really, you know, why he's calling this the Kabbalistic keys to the Lord's Prayer. So it's important to remember that. You know, so some of these tougher parts of the Bible, more difficult sections, or even sort of some things that are just kind of rudimentary that you think, well, I just say this and, you know, this is what this is what it means. And I take it for face value. If you apply these Kabbalistic keys, these hermetic ideas and these, you know, this Jewish mysticism and so on, it opens it up in a new way, opens it up in a new way. So that's really what we're trying to do is just introduce that idea and go really briefly through each one of these. So we'll move on to the next one. Uh, we're, we're on down to the sun now. Uh, and that is on earth as it is in heaven. So our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's related to the sun. That's the sixth section of this. And that's Tifaret in the Kabbalistic uh, structure of uh, the Etz Chaim or the uh, tree of life. And this is interestingly in Christian Kabbalah. This is where Jesus resides. This is where he's positioned in this schema. And you notice that on earth, that is, as it is in heaven, is sort of a, it's like a, a cross in a way. It's, it's, it's the sort of equilibrium, it's the space between these two things. And the sun was seen in this ancient, um, in this ancient schema as being the mediator, mediator between heaven and between earth, between the higher and the lower. And you pointed that out. Uh, we talked about that, remember? So, how did that break down with these uh, with these ten again? So, is the first five are the were like a part of the the, the soul, right? These these three sections of the soul, right? Well, there's the superior and the inferior. Okay. Um, again, sometimes using this terminology, we're not talking about oh, this is better than that. Um, it's just what is beyond and what is within or what is exterior and, and uh, interior. And in the Ptolemaic uh, solar system or, you know, um, universal cosmology, the sun is in the middle. Um, so from Earth, you have the moon, Mercury, and Venus. Those are the inferior planets. Then the sun is in the middle. And then there are three more planets. That is Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. 
And by seven planets, this is what the ancients were able to see moving through in the sky uh, against the backdrop of the zodiac and the firmament uh, by the naked eye. And though we, through telescopes, we have discovered other planets, those same seven planets, of course, the moon and the sun being luminaries, uh, and then the other five are still the only ones we can really detect uh, without assistance uh, moving through the world. So the sun is in the middle. Uh, it's the middle ring of the seven. So there's three above, three below, and then it's in the middle. And this is great because, you know, even the word pyramid means fire in the middle. So again, you have this fiery luminescence uh, in between and with divine pymander again, it's the as above, so below. Oh, good point. As it is in heaven. Yeah. And it's this sun that is the mediator. The mediator. And then if you take this S-O-N, son of Jesus, you know, the son uh, the son of God, that it's, again, how we can be a God-man or a man-God, depending on which way you're, you're looking at it. Uh, and so uh, this is the one I like. And also the, uh, the Sephiro is um, uh, beauty, I think is the... Uh, that is correct. It's Tiferet and it is beauty. Yep. And, and what, is, what could be more beautiful than this harmony, this balance point? That's a great between, point. Between, yeah. you know these planets well and then uh the analogy then goes in interiorly to the soul the uh the the first th three of those uh i'm sorry the first five of those are, are are related to the uh the divine soul uh the six the sun is the mediator like you said and that's that's analogous to the human soul this is in a tripartite sort of soul look looking uh looking at it this way the human soul, and then the, the sort of lower animal soul is Venus, Mercury, Moon, and Earth. It, it would be the, the sort of more earthy, sort of animal, instinctual part, portion of the soul uh, that that would relate to. And the sun, solar, S-O-L, soul is the name of our star, the sun. Mm. So even etymologically, you have uh, Comes this from the connection same. again. Yeah. It's, it's pretty deep. It definitely, definitely. So... All right, moving on to the next one then so we can get through all of these. Uh, this is section seven of the prayer. So our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now this is related uh, to Venus. And this one is, is Netzach. Netzach. Um, if I'm, just double check that, make sure. Yep, and that's victory related to the planet Venus. So this is the idea of bread, yes, and Venus as being a sort of symbol of that as Venus was uh, is related to Ceres and is related to the harvest and things like that in essence, but also related to love, of course, uh, love and beauty. And... Manly Hall and bread is not just uh, you know a, something you make a sandwich with. Yeah, it's yeah. The bread of life. Man cannot live by bread alone. Exactly. Uh, it's both. We need that material substance for our sustenance, um, but you can't live by it alone. It's not a. It's not a life. Yeah. It's, it's an existence, but you're not really living 
uh, it's the bread of life. So it's the, the soul stuff. It's the spirit um, uh, and love too. being, you know, how can you live without love? Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great point. And yeah, that, that bread is, is, a, is a symbol of that bread of life, like you said, exactly. And that's used a lot in the Bible. Of course, all these kinds of, you know, wheat and bread and planting metaphors and stuff would have been really uh, powerful to, you know, people living closer to the earth, right? Um, so, you know, today we might not recognize some of these, some of these ideas as moving, moving our soul as much as it probably did, you know, ancient peoples because they, they you know, they were relying on things like, like bread for their daily existence, but also they were relying on that spiritual bread a lot more than we were um, because they were more connected to that. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, they were living more mythologically and closer to the psyche, closer to the soul, closer to the unconscious than, than, than we are today. And bread also connects us with each other. You know, you sit Mm. down at the table uh, for a banquet Mm-hmm. Um, or you break bread. Break bread, yeah. As yeah. is sometimes said, with that you're sharing um, something more than just again, uh, just a loaf of uh, sandwich material. Um, it's just you know breaking bread. We're sitting down together and we're sharing in an experience of each other. That's a great point. That's a great point. That's that, that idea of that sacrament. And that's that, what Manly Hall says. This is the true meaning of the consecrated wafer used in the Christian sacrament. So it ties into that idea of, of the Eucharist and taking that sacrament, that holy, uh, that holy, uh, holy wafer, consecrated wafer. Um, all right. So the next section then is section eight, and that is Mercury. And Mercury is related to, uh, on the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, Hod, Hod, and that is Splendor, otherwise known as Splendor in English. And this is, uh, forgive us our debts, forgive us our debts, and forgive Just us- a point of uh, contact here. Yes. A lot of times the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That is in Matthew, but that's after the Lord's Prayer. It goes into like an explanation Mm -hmm. after the Amen, which is the end of it. Um, In the prayer itself, it is forgive us our debts um, as we forgive those who are uh, indebted. Good point. And a lot of people actually do use that other one where they do say forgive us our forgive us our trespasses in, in their Lord's prayer. Uh, so that's not in the book. I mean, it's not there in the book. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's one translation they, that they made of it. And, you know, they've, like I said, it's, it, uh, it is something that's come into kind of popular use. And I think, um, I think that's the one that they use in, uh, the Catholic tradition in, in some, some translations, but, um, the interesting thing there that we talked about this earlier is there's a difference between, in some ways, like symbolically, there's a difference between a, a debt and a trespass. A debt, I mean, I think s- symbolizes something a little bit deeper. I almost feel like there's something karmic to it, something you're carrying with a debt, you know, and you're really going beyond that. And then there's another interesting thing about this line. It's forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, but then... Manley Hall points this out in older versions of it. It's as it's 
forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So it's, it's implying that you have to have that forgiveness before you can approach God with a prayer. You don't go in holding on to an idea of, 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 you know, this guy trespassed against me or this guy owes me or this thing happened or I, you know, I'm carrying around this burden or this guilt or whatever. You almost have to let that go. Not even almost. You have to let that go before you're able to even approach God in this holy way. And it's kind I of saying that. I think forgive the operative word there. Right? Yeah. As we, as we forgive us, but also as, you know, I've already forgiven those people that I feel like have, you know, owe, owe me or who have, you know, done me some sort of wrong. Before I'm even asking for forgiveness, I'm saying, you know, I, I've already made that con- contrition in my in my own heart, right? And I think well, that's Mercury being the messenger of the gods, um, also in this you know planetary version. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what message are you sending? Uh, if you don't make right with your brother, human being on Earth, you know what? You know <laughs> what case do you have to present to the Almighty? Sure. Um, this point. is the message that's being given and it's being sent upwards uh, is that, you know, we have to make right here, right here, <laughs> right now, right here, right now. Um, exactly. So so that that ours uh, and to the degree to which we forgive. Yeah, we will be forgiven. Uh, yeah. And Mercury, but it happens here, it happens at home first. Absolutely. Mercury also deals with communication. Yes. Uh, so that's, you know, that's connected to what you're talking about there, you know, on, in terms of our personal relationships, our communications with others, our forgiveness, our connections, uh, and so on that have to do with us, uh, that area. All right. So moving on to, you know, we just did latest not into temptation. No, we did not. I'm sorry. We did forgive us our debt. So next, the next section then is lead us not into temptation. So here we are so far. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. That's section nine. This has to do with the moon and Yesod on the tree of life. Yesod on the Kabbalistic tree of life. So it's also known as uh, foundation. Foundation. So this this section in, in the moon's an interesting uh, luminary. It's an interesting planet. Obviously, it's not a pl- considered a planet anymore, but in their s- scheme, it is still a planet. Uh, it has to do with uh, the unconscious. It has to do with a certain amount of reflection. It has to do with the sort of astral world and magic. Um, there's a whole sort of life that exists around the moon. Uh, it's, it's, it's reflective of imagination, creative imagination and so on. Uh, so what this section is, is kind of getting at is I think, uh, Manly, what Manly Hall says anyway, and I think this is interesting. It's like, uh, so closely is man enveloped by the phantasm, excuse me, the phantoms of the lower imagination that he has resolved to transmute them. And he requires that the lunar power shall deliver him from the evil thing. So in other words, you're trying to sort of transmute or change or overcome some of these sort of negative ideas or dark ideas in the lower imagination and things like that. 
So that's related to temptation, I think. Lead us not into temptation. Um, and, you know, of course, our, the positive side of our imagination is that it allows us to, to transcend and allows us to move up through these different rungs on this ladder. And that's why, you know, going backward or going, you know, backwards, not coming down into materiality, but moving out of materiality in essence, spiritually speaking, and up back towards our spiritual home. The first, you know, first step in that is, is, is moving through the, the moon sphere. You know, and that again, that that's that imagination is involved, the unconscious mind is involved with that idea, and so on. So, there's a lot to that. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, there's certainly a lot you could uh, discuss about lunar symbolism. It's at night, it's reflected light, it doesn't have light of its own, at least not that we know of, um, but the light is borrowed from the sun, and the moon is ever changing at least in the illusory sense that it seems, you know, with the lunar phases, you know, every night it's in a different phase and a different position. But we also know that the moon only shows the same face to the earth, whether it's illuminated or not through uh, the reflected light of the sun. You know, it, it's in that uh, synchronous orbit um, where we still, so it really doesn't change. It has the illusion of change because of the angle, uh, again, you know, in relation to the sun uh, from our perspective. Uh, so you have, and you can get caught up in this world of illusion mm. and change. And this, you know, you're chasing this and chasing that, and it stays the same, and then it moves, and then it comes back again, you know, every 30 to 29 days on the lunar cycle. You know, there's the feminine aspect to it, you know, the dark, um, the yin uh, in, in the Taoist, uh, not necessarily bad or evil, or certainly I don't think at all. Uh, it's just a different type of a quality, but uh, that's where this kind of temptation thing can um, come in is, you know, we're, you know, oh gosh, it's a, it's a half moon. Oh, it's a crescent moon. Oh, it's a full moon now. It's still the same moon. It has this illusion and it looks very different every night. I think tonight actually is a full moon um, in the sky. You can see it very close to uh, Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, very interesting uh, astronomical alignment on this day. Uh, but it's, again, it's this, this illusion uh, or like the world of Maya, you know, that, you know, it seems like there's all these different things, uh, but it's really kind of the same thing. Mm, uh, just looks different and that can you can be chasing it and tempted to be moved this way or that way um, yeah that so. makes sense and that, that you know lead us not into temptation then is a very very succinct way of kind of describing all those ideas and symbols and you know, at the same, so it's got a positive side, which Manley Hall talks about. By imaging, we're able to extend above ourselves and to experience as a mood, a state of consciousness, which we are seeking to attain. In other words, that's the positive use of imagination, or it's got this sort of connotation of imagination sort of darkly used or, you know, you know, having us in this sort of state of confusion or, 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 or negativity or, you know, getting caught in the temporal ideas and so on. So that's an interesting one. That's an interesting section. All right, so moving on to our last section, section 10, which deals with the earth. It deals with the elements. 
Um, it deals with uh, what's known as Malkut or the kingdom. This is actual physical manifestation itself. And at this point, you know, this is the last portion of the prayer. And it's for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And of course, its own little sort of subsection, which we'll talk a little bit more about after this is the amen part of it. Uh, but this section is for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And I think really right off the bat, what that's saying is, look, you're, you're giving over the 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 credit to, you know, the manifestation of life to God for thine is the kingdom. You own it, the power and the glory. It's all yours. You know, you're making really a statement that 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 uh, that the you know, that the that the universal spirit is behind all of this. And you're really recognizing that this is an effect and that the cause is back up at, you know, at the top of this, this section, you know, the, our the, our father portion of it. Uh, so, you know, that's really what that's representing, I think. And then um, you have the idea too, that, the uh, that there's a sort of final statement of faith in this manly hall points that out a complete dedication of oneself to the truths that have already been visualized in the substance which has started to show themselves within yourself so you know in other words the things you've been visualizing praying on imagining building in your own mind are actually starting to come to fruition and so you want to make sure that those things are are, are constructive and positive and spiritual oriented towards a spiritual sort of home and things like that. So I think that's a, that's a really powerful thing to look at. Uh, this section is actually not in older versions of this in the new Testament. So this is where Manley Hall kind of points out and other scholars have pointed out as well, that this is probably uh, was put in by maybe uh, more Gnostic or sort of, uh, mystical type of, uh, of 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 early groups and things like that to to round this out to make this ten and to also kind of really drive this idea home. So you know, there's a lot, there's a lot in this prayer. You know, we've we've barely unpacked any of it in this in this nearly hour that we've been speaking on it. Uh, but but I hope we've touched on some stuff. I wanted to find. Let's pass. I'm going to pass it over to you. Uh, say anything you want about the for thine is the power of the uh, the kingdom the power and the glory, but this amen at the end of it is a really interesting mm -hmm. sort of exclamation point. I want you to talk a little bit about that uh, and and whatever else you want to too, but just okay. to kind of wrap it up well to uh, also to make a note when uh, from the um, the tree of life that this um, is the elements. Uh, you know, this earth plane, mm -hmm. the elements in the ancient uh, context is not this periodic table of, you know, a hundred and some uh, compounds or, uh, you know, atomic numbered uh, substances. It's really the four elements. It's air, earth, fire, and water. That's oh, yeah, thank what you for the putting ancients that in. thought the yeah. earth itself was composed of. Uh, and that's where a lot of, you know, philosophy and uh, you know, some arguments even took place in the ancient times of, you know, oh, the which is the first substance? Well, is it water? Oh, no, is it fire? Uh, but there's always a relation between these four. Uh, so just, just to make a note of that. When you're That's talking a good about point. Elements, Let me add to that. The big four. Yes. Let me add to that, too. 
it's not just those physical manifestations of, of earth, air, fire, and water. There's also, a, there's a philosophical and symbolic construct behind those. And the ancients were aware of that as well. They did not think of these elements just as physical elements. There was also a, a sort of esoteric quality to them that went beyond the physical fire, the physical air, the physical water, the physical earth. They were living principles. They were living principles. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you for putting those elements in. So we want to talk a little bit about uh, Amen. And then Amen. we'll wrap this uh, up. Well, it can come from the Egyptian um, Amen or Amen-Ra. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a notation of completion, you know, um, that, uh, you know, it, it is so or let it be. Yeah. Uh, and it's really at the end. And <laughs> I know we've you know, mentioned, but, uh, you know, when you say amen, that's the end. That's the end of the prayer. You don't really add anything, you know, wait until you're done. Um, and then you say, amen. I know, you know, some popular preachers, you know, will say it at the end of every line, like, oh, isn't that a good point, huh? Amen. Like, give me an amen. Can I get an amen? It's like, no, that's the end. And I, we know this if we say grace <laughs> before a meal, when we say amen, that's when you're done talking and then you start eating. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and it, but it, it's, it's almost as if, say, you've gathered all these ingredients together. We use, again, we'll go back to food. Um, you know, you have the, the wheat and the baking soda and the yeast and, uh, and you mix it all together and you need it. And then you stick it in the oven. That's sort of the amen. Now we're going to fix this. You're going to, you know, fire the pottery in the kiln uh you know to make it solid um it's kind of too late to add anything you know maybe save it for another prayer at another time uh but it's also it's almost like a decree that okay now let's make this hardened let's make this a cake let's make this a clay pot uh, that can be useful now um for us good point yeah yeah it really and it's almost it you know i like the idea of uh, it's almost like a decree at the end of it, you know, let this be, or, or it is so, or, you know, in some, make it so, make it like so. yeah. Or, you know, in some, some uh, magical traditions, so mote it be is said at the end of uh, an invocation or a prayer or, a, a, or some spell work, uh, you know, and so mote it be is used in, uh, in uh, Freemasonry as well. So, it's one of these ideas. It's like you're 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 really kind of sealing it. You're sort of mm -hmm. sealing it with a with a talisman almost, or something. Or a, you well, know, you're hitting print on the computer. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're activating really it. it. You're activating yeah. it, right? And so that's that's what's going on. And I like the idea that you said. You know, you know, nothing happens after the amen. I mean, that's it. You're putting it to bed. It's done. So, you know, I think that that's an important thing to know. And I really think that's why that's in the New Testament, because uh, in uh, in there, in Matthew, you know, because it's really showing the importance of this particular structure. And it's showing that, you know, this is this is it. And, you know, and if you're looking at creation wise, again, like we're looking at this structure of the Lord's Prayer as as being analogous to the structure of creation in terms of. Uh, Kabbalistic, uh, the, the Kabbalistic tree of life. That's um, the, sort of the main, the main idea that we're looking at here. So if you look at each of these lines, which we broke down, you see how they relate. 
And you can see how this prayer itself is a reminder of creation. It's a reminder of creation. It's a reminder that we are a created being and we have a, we have a, an infinite eternal source. And, and it's really kind of getting at that idea. And then, you know, it's also reminding us of how we get back to that source by moving back through these levels spiritually or symbolically speaking. And that's the real depth and power of this of this breakdown and why it's important to really go deeply into into things like prayers that you take for granted or little sections of the Bible or other scriptures that you think you understand. Because there's great wisdom in them. They haven't lasted, you know, 2,000 or more years. Or in some cases, you know, some of this stuff's 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 years old, carried forward through oral traditions and so on, and then put on paper, um, you know, for us today. So, you know, there's deep wisdom. And some of this wisdom goes back even further than that. We've talked before about the, you know, the sort of idea that, you know, history is probably much, much older. Human history is much, much older than most scientists give, give it credit. Uh, there's no reason to believe that there aren't rounds and different chains of, of being and different comings and goings and incarnations of the of the earth and so on. I mean, that you know, that goes beyond countless billions of years past just this particular incarnation that we're in here on earth. It's, you know, 8 billion years old or whatever it is. Um, that there's a continuation. There's a coming in and a going out of experience. You know, so you have to look at that in your life and look at these different levels and so on. And this, this prayer is really reminding us of that, that there's a source and that we're part of that source and that we can get back to that source. Uh, any final thoughts? Just a one word sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. To that, I say, amen. Amen. All right. And so that whole, so now anything I say after that has nothing to do with what I said before. This is a whole new section. And I say, thank you for listening to the Cosmic Eye Show. We appreciate you guys showing up each week. Check out Kabbalistic Keys to the Lord's Prayer, Manly Hall's work. Uh, you can find this at um, manlyphall.info in the, the 1950 horizon. What was the winter? Winter 1950 horizon. And, uh, Check us out online. Uh, we're at CosmicEye.org or at ChrisSheridan.com. My book is If You Can Worry, You Can uh, Meditate. Chris's book is The Spirit in the Sky. And you can donate to the show, this show if you'd like to. We'd really appreciate it if you could at anchor.fm slash CosmicEye. So thank you again for joining us. Have a great week. Goodbye. And God bless. <laughs>